Hello, friends, and thanks for joining us today for the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This week, our youth and children's director, Patrick Andrus, spoke out of a passage in Matthew chapter 8. Patrick looks at several different examples in Scripture that encourage God's people not to fear. For as our relationship with Jesus grows, we see that God can calm any storm that life throws our way. Remember, you can watch our live stream that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., or you can always find us at hillcrestdecalb.com. Grace and peace. Morning. Man, I'm glad that, well, I'm not glad, but I'm, I, uh, I'm not always in here for worship. You know, I always check out the service afterwards on YouTube. Um, man, I was just getting so emotional. I was like a wreck over there. Uh, it's awesome. We're so blessed, aren't we, here at this church? Um, dude, so I have, my mom has a bronco, uh, a bronco. My mom has a, uh, a brother, which makes him my uncle. And um, I, uh, so I grew up with uh, my dad kind of always working. And um, so he kind of stepped in and um, he was uh, her younger brother. And he was always kind of there to... Uh, you know, hang out with me, pick me up, take me to uh, McDonald's to get a Happy Meal, uh, you know, jump in his, tran- he had a Trans Am, the, the old school one with the, like the T-tops. I thought he was the coolest dude ever, you know, being like five or six years old, jumping in, a, you know, a car like that and riding to McDonald's and he'd always wear like cut off T-shirts, showing his muscles, you know, and like showing me off, trying to pick up girls, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I, I loved him. Um, he was my mentor growing up. Um, pretty much my whole life, he's, he's been there for me. Um, but this one particular story came to mind when I was thinking about um, this message. And um, uh, my, my uncle always uh, played baseball growing up, a big pitcher, loved baseball. And um, he put on baseball camps in Oklahoma City when I was growing up. And um, so I obviously went to them because... I loved him and loved everything that he was doing. So I'd show up and uh, be a part of the baseball camp for the week. And I'll never forget, he had just gotten a brand new um, 1996 Chevy Silverado Z71 pickup. And at that time, it was like, it was a pretty sweet pickup. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And uh, he loved it. And he, I'll never forget his eyes lighting up and just being super pumped. like, Patrick, check this out. And let me crawl up in it and like, you know, check it out. And um, he was like, yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to take this to baseball camp, so jump in, and uh, we roll over to baseball camp, and he parks it, like, right off the side of the field, far enough away, but um, we start practicing and uh, getting ready for the camp, and um, coincidentally, uh, someone hit a foul ball, and it went over the fence and straight onto his windshield. Straight on to the center of this brand-new truck's windshield, man, and I'll never forget like, I, I knew how much that truck meant to him, that he bought it with his own money, and he was so proud of it, um, but he was so cool about it. Like, I remember him going immediately to that kid that did it, and I was like, hey, it's okay, you know, it's no big deal, you know, we can get it fixed later, even though, like, deep inside, I know he was, like, burning. He's like, no, you know, uh, but he was always that way, um, he was always the same person to everyone he met. You know, he wasn't like a different person 
to a certain group of friends and then a, another person to, to someone else. Uh, never trying to be different around other groups. Um, he was always himself completely, and I always felt a connection to that, that I could trust him, that there was something trustworthy about that kind of character. Character, the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. What are good characteristics to have in our world today? Trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, being a caring person. When a person possesses good character, it exhibits through their words and actions. Would you agree with that? So what about when someone speaks of trustworthy and trustworthiness and kindness, but doesn't put them into practice? What does Scripture say about that? So we're going to jump in to Matthew, and this uh, starts at verse, um, chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do, everything they do, is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide. Phylacteries is like a little leather box that the Jewish men wear on their head, and it has the law in it, so it's a constant reminder of the Jewish law. Phylacteries, so they make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called a rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And you do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to, to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah, the greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is making a huge point here. that You can't trust people in your life that way, that speak that way. They, 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 they speak one way and act another. Jesus is saying that all are welcome into the kingdom of God if they only ask. So what are some of the defining characteristics of Jesus from Scripture that make him worthy of our trust? And I was digging a lot, digging a lot. This came across. It was Mark chapter 1. And this is verse 21. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, 
What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed that they asked, and that, that, that they, I'm sorry, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Jesus didn't mind speaking with authority. He didn't mind speaking with conviction. Jesus stands up against evil and works for the good of the oppressed. When people speak with authority and conviction, there's a strong sense of trust that we feel. Do you agree with that? Growing up, so I'm from Oklahoma, and um, there's one thing that uh, is big, well, at least in my family, that was big, and that was jug fishing. How many of you guys know what jug fishing is? No one! <laughs> maybe online, I don't know. So jug fishing is maybe a, maybe a shortcut to actual fishing. Um, but it, you place the, uh, a jug um, in the water, and it's it got some uh, twine tied to it with a, uh, a weight at the bottom. And that weight um, goes to the bottom of the lake, and then you have hooks placed about every 10 feet or so. And you place a minnow on it, you drop it in there, and you leave it, you know? And then you come back in a few hours and you check it. But growing up, um, me and my brothers would always go to the lake with my grandpa Kennedy, and we thought that he was the lead lead authority on all jug fishing in Oklahoma, all right? Um, because every time we went out with him and, um, to get the jugs, it was always full, always full of fish. We'd come back with 30 fish, catfish usually, but woo, catfish, <laughs> bottom feeders are good, don't call them out. <laughs> but we always caught fish every time, and... Um, and also, because my grandpa was a good listener, he had awesome friends that were always at the little campsite. Every time we'd go to the lake, it was always in the same little RV spot, always surrounded by the same group of people, and they all talked about it, but they respected my, my grandpa and his authority on jug fishing. But he, he listened. He listened about new areas to go, you know, new, new spots that maybe um, a friend, you know, had found, and he respected that. He heard them out on where the fish were going to be. Sometimes authority doesn't come from knowing all the answers on all the topics, but it also comes from learning. Uh, it comes from listening and learning from others. Being open to other ways of doing life help. It helps you become an authority in life in general. What's another characteristic of Jesus? Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, um, says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. 
And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees, the dudes with the leather on their forehead, right? When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So another characteristic of Jesus here is that he he hung out with everyone. He hung out with the unpopular. Right? There's so many times that as as a youth pastor, I've been a youth pastor full-time since I was 19 years old. And one of the things I started to do early on was I would just show up at schools during their lunchtime with pizzas in hand and drop them on lunch tables and just watch the feeding frenzy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but um, they, every time I'd walk in there, I always knew what to expect, right? Everyone's kind of in their own little cliques, right? You wouldn't dare travel from your, your table with your friends to another table with maybe someone you, you know and you, you go to church with, but these other friends, they, you know, they don't really like that person. It's kind of weird. Um, there's so much segregation that it just happens right there. In an early age, I'll never forget when I was in uh, fifth grade, um, that's about the time that I remember popularity becoming like a thing, at least in my world. Around fifth grade, I was starting to realize, ooh, popularity, that's, that's a cool thing. You know, that's something I want to do. But I quickly grew out of that when I was in fifth grade. Um, I uh, started my fifth grade year, had Mr. Reeves, awesome teacher, I still remember him, such a sweet man. But uh, there was this one particular kid in our class who was a part of that popular group, and he liked to pick on this one kid in our class, and his name was Sean. And um, my last name is Andrus, so I always sat in the front, right? And um, the popular kid, he sat right behind me. His last name started with an A. So I was always hearing what was coming out of his mouth behind my head, you know? And it was always negative, and it was always mean. And he was really mean to this one kid in particular, Sean. And um, I just one day, whenever we just got done having recess, um, I went out um, up, to, up to Sean as we were going back to class. And I was like, hey, man, you know, just what's up? I don't remember exactly what I said. I mean, I was 10, okay? <laughs> but we became friends. I'll never forget, just because I walked up to him, I didn't know him. You know, he's a little different. He was different than I, I was, but I was intrigued by that difference. I was like, let's find out what this guy's about, right? Why does Kevin not like him so much? Come to find out, he was a sweet guy. I'm still friends with Sean to this day. Just because I didn't listen to the stuff behind me, you know? And I have a lifelong friend because of it. How much more rich could our lives be 
if we maybe took some, we took on some of, or maybe just a few, right, of Jesus' characteristics. For most of us, the reason that we stay where it's comfortable is so that we don't feel awkward, is so that we don't feel afraid. And I was thinking, this week especially, fear, fear keeps us from growing in our faith and in our life. Fear can keep us from doing those things that God has set aside just for you. We know those people, we know those things, those people and those things that we feel drawn to, but for some reason we don't pursue them. Usually because we're scared for whatever reason it is. We all have our things. Where do you feel Jesus is calling you? Who do you feel Jesus is calling you to hang out with? Maybe it's something Maybe it's been something on your heart's been brewing. You get that achy tummy every time you think about it. For me, that's, that's the Holy Spirit I've come to realize and know. Telling me, hey, something's not right here. Maybe it's been something on your heart for a while now. Why haven't you done it yet? Is it fear? I didn't know this about myself until last, or two Sundays ago. I was teaching in um, the hangout room with our older kids, and we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruits that we were teaching on that particular Sunday was peace. Talking about the peace. And one story that I always love, and Christina was in there, and she was, Patrick, this is your favorite Bible story. (laughs) She didn't say it exactly like that, but... That's the way I heard it, <laughs> you know? And all the kids were like, oh, okay, you know, it's Patrick's favorite Bible story, and this is it. Matthew chapter 8, and I think this one's on the screen, starting at verse 23. says, then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus, Jesus was sleeping. I mean, he was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So once we've decided that we want to follow Jesus, why do we still doubt? Why do do we still have that fear? Why do we not see the clear path? Why do we not believe that Jesus can handle it? What are the things in our lives 
that need to be surrendered to Jesus. We can trust Jesus. I've noticed in my personal walk with Jesus that every time I do something that he's calling me to do that I'm afraid of, like moving to Illinois, and I trust Jesus through it, that I grow and I become a stronger follower. As Christians, isn't that the goal? Isn't that our earthly goal while we're here to become a stronger follower of Jesus? Hmm. In those times where the weight of life just gets too heavy, right? It starts to fall on us, and you're like, Ugh. Man, I've tried my hardest to always give that fear to Jesus in prayer, and I know it's not easy. It's not, because we start spinning out of control in our minds sometimes, and we forget he's right there. My prayer has to be given to Jesus in those times, or I won't grow. If we don't grow and listen in our faith, what can happen to us? Jesus, he told practical stories during his time here on earth. Practical stories, parables, right? That people would relate to in his time. Stories with a moral and uh, spiritual lesson to them. He knew that most people wouldn't listen unless it was something familiar to them. Great communication. Jesus had great communication. And it, he knew that it was key to any kind of relationship. If we don't open up ourselves completely to see with our eyes and listen with our ears, he talks about what can happen. In Matthew 13, he says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this, people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but didn't hear it. I mean, this is the human condition, right? Jesus is talking about us instinctually as humans that we don't listen. We struggle with listening. We struggle with seeing. We usually have a hard time trusting because we aren't listening. We are so wrapped up in our own world sphere, right? Our own little bubble, our other things, our stuff. Jesus was about others. He was selfless. Are we giving attention to our Jesus when he is speaking to us? Are we opening our ears? Are we opening our eyes? Or do we let the world dictate 
how we should see and how we should hear? Are we actively trying to grow? Are we actively trying to listen to the Holy Spirit speak into us daily, hourly, each minute? If so, what does that look like? This story that I'm about to tell, um, it's, it's a super personal story, so if I uh, get emotional, you'll have to deal with it. Sorry. <laughs> um, but one of my close family members uh, was in the military uh, for over six years, and during that time, uh, they saw and did crazy things. You know, did unspeakable things. Things that would come to later uh, mess with their head and their heart when they were discharged from the military. They got, um, they got into drug use, heavy drug use. And um, they got into self-abuse. Um, there came a time in this person's life um, where the weight of everything that they had experienced was just too heavy. You know, it was too heavy for them. And they had a choice to make. Do I continue to listen to the world and to what Satan is, is telling me? Do I listen to this evil, this negativity? Or do I, do I listen to, to God? Because this person grew up in church. This person knew of Jesus and his saving power, but really didn't, really didn't buy into it early on at a young age. But they had, they had a choice. Do I continue following the path of least resistance, the easy way? Just keep doing what I'm doing. I know that it's gonna, it, I'm going to end up in a ditch somewhere maybe, but it's whatever. Or do I answer the call from Jesus to follow him, to trust him? So we know that Jesus was a doer, right? Jesus was all about getting in people's lives and changing them for the better. Jesus was all about showing a new way that he could bring new life if we only follow him. One day, one day, I got a call from this person. And they called me up, and uh, at that time, I was uh, going to a place in Oklahoma City to worship on Saturdays, whenever I wasn't working on, at church. And um, I told them all about this, this church and how it was like, not like church at all, and it's, you can wear whatever, you can you know, be however, and uh, you can be tatted up, and it's all cool, Right? And um, so he decided to, uh, they decided to come to church with me that day. Um, and I'll never forget, um, during that service, a grown man holding my hand during it, feeling the Holy Spirit change his heart. That day, he decided to trust He decided to 
get sober, you get clean. He decided to trust Jesus with that pain. (laughs) They were always... um, there are, there's always miracles, right? It seems like everyone, I've always heard people say, uh, there's not that many miracles. There's not that many miracles happening anymore, right? Dude, I saw one that day. A person that I thought never was, was step into a place like this and be changed by it. They were always a church-going person but never really asked Jesus to be in their lives completely to let Jesus take away their pain. I mean, it's not always going to be gone, right? Still gonna, it's still going to be hard and it's still gonna, you're still going to struggle. But we've got a choice. Do we let destructive behavior, other things, um, other things rule over us? Or do we trust in Jesus? My friend decided to trust their lives to Jesus that day, and it has led them out of a destructive dead end and into a fruitful life of daily rebirth. Daily. The choice helped them grow through their struggle. They became mentally and physically healthier, but also they started to grow in their faith as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. They became closer to Jesus that day they made the choice to trust him. And they now, they now have a person they can always rely on. Even when things get uncontrolled, like they get out of control, and like we all know what that's like. You've been, we've all been there when it feels like life is just too much to handle. They still struggle. But dang, I know we all do. Even when we have a choice to follow Jesus fully and wholeheartedly, we're not promised it's going to be easy. And there's a couple scriptures that I, I found that just speak truth into that. That like once you become a Christian, we're not telling you that it's just like all going to be better, <laughs> right? But Jesus is there. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And also in 1 Peter chapter 12, it says, For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. If we only ask for forgiveness, we say, Jesus, take my sin, take my pain, come into my heart, be a part of my life. I am in need of your grace. And this is one thing that I I always have told youth and children. 
It's like a blanket. His grace is like a blanket, you know? If you think about the times where you're cold, you put a blanket on. Think about those times where maybe you've had some crazy tragedy or something and someone gave you a blanket. It comforts you. That's what it is. I'm in need of your grace-filled blanket, Jesus. Cover me with your grace and your forgiveness. I trust in you. We have to talk to Jesus. We have to talk. We have to take the time to get into relationship with him. And that trust will grow and grow and grow. He is a calm presence in the midst of any storm that you and I could go through. He is inviting us this morning, wherever we are, in our walks. Maybe we don't know Jesus at all. He's calling all of us. He's reaching out to everyone in this room. Online, he's reaching, up to, reaching out to you. Will you answer the call of Jesus Christ? Forgiveness and healing. It was bought for us through the cross. There's no need for us to have to worry. Jesus' character is one of inclusiveness, love, and gentleness. Will you put your trust in him this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we thank you for the rain. We can hear it hitting the roof right now. I thank you for, uh, God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that, that you loved us so much that you decided to send your only son here so that we could have a chance to, to know him and be forgiven of our sin and live in freedom. God, wherever we are with our walks with, with you, uh, your son Jesus, God, I pray that your spirit would just fall afresh on this place that maybe it's been a while for some of us. Maybe we haven't talked to you the way we used to. God, I pray that this morning we might rekindle that, Father. God, if we've never heard of Jesus, I pray that, uh, God, that you would you'd fall afresh on those people, Father, the people that don't know Jesus, Father. I pray that, that maybe they would start to feel his love and his forgiveness in their lives. God, we thank you so much for loving us. And we thank you for saving us through your son, Jesus. God, let us continue to worship him this morning. Amen.